GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today we are going back to the 23rd century with four cast members from Starship Troopers. And now without further ado, let's report for duty. And when this is all over, we can hopefully refer to ourselves as citizens. Our first guest is an actor whose body of work includes Oz, The Wire, and The Walking Dead. Today he joins us to discuss the role of Tech Sergeant Sugar Watkins of Roughneck 2-0. Please welcome Seth Gillum. Not much. How are you today, sir? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. Is everything as well in your corner of the world? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. Our next guest is an actress whose credits include Star Trek Nemesis, Dragonheart, and recently returned to a role Birds of Prey character of Barbara Gordon in DC's Crisis and Infinite Earths. Today, she joins us to discuss the role of squad leader Sergeant Dizzy Flores of Roughneck 2-0. Please welcome Dina Meyer. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Good. Good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Happy Sunday. Oh, indeed. And same to you. So <laughs> everything is well in your corner of the world? Everything is well. Yes. Cannot well, complain. Well is the new awesome in these curious times we are in. Indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Our next guest is an actor, musician, and producer whose body of work includes The Frighteners, Contact, and Stranger Things. Today, he joins us to discuss the role of fiddle player and rifleman Ace Levy. Please welcome Jake Busey. Hey, 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 hey. What's up, troopers people? <laughs> How are you doing today, sir? I'm great. I couldn't be better. I couldn't be better. Thanks for, for having me involved in this with the gang. And it's good to see the gang, by the way. So and this, I, I look forward to hearing some stories. This is truly meta. You're at one event and streaming with us. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do what we, get, we can do. You know what I mean? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So our next guest is an actor and director whose body of work includes Sleepy Hollow, Tarzan and the Lost City, and the forthcoming series Strip. Today, he joins us to talk about the role of Lieutenant and eventually. General Johnny Rico, please welcome Casper Van Dien. Hey. 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 Yo, Casper. Hey, how, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing outstanding. How are you doing, Trooper? <laughs> I am just fine, sir. It's been four years, but I'm, I'm still learning the lessons you taught in basic. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen and lady, welcome to the GalaxyCon virtual stage. It's a pleasure to have you all here. As always, we look forward to the day when the world gets a little bit back to normal and we can put you back on our stages and in front of your fans. In the meantime, we are in this format and so glad to have you here. Our team right now is going to the chat room and, and pulling the questions out. In the meantime, just to start us off, I would love to hear how each of you individually fell into your roles on Starship Troopers. Uh, in any particular order? Anywhere you like. <laughs> I think you sounds like you volunteered. You were first cat, so why don't you go ahead and start, Dina? Me? Yeah, you oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, for me, I received the script. And initially, my audition was actually to read for the part of Carmen. Mm -hmm. But after reading the script, I just kind of gravitated more toward the role of Dizzy. So I had asked if I could go in and read for Diz instead. And so that's what I that's what I did. I kind of went in and saw Paul and told him what was up. I said, "Listen, I'm supposed to be for this, but I kind of feel more more like this than Carmen." And can I? And he said, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." And then that was it. Did my audition, and that's all she wrote. Well, I guess <laughs> you did pretty good in your audition. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you must have done pretty well in your audition. Well, you know, it was actually it was I think what's you know it was actually the one with the Rico. You're drifting the um the the jump ball scene oh really wow. and i think I, I think i smacked paul on the head and i kind of <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> like, eh. <laughs> you know, that's great and that was yeah. Kind of, yeah it, 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 yeah uh, visceral to say the least <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely Seth, how, about you? how about you 
How did I get to the role in Starship Troopers? I auditioned on tape for the role of Johnny Rico, actually. And, really? Um, yes. And then they about, fucked up. They oh, did. Man. They made a big mistake. <laughs> that would have been so awesome, man. About three days later, I got a call saying that they wanted to offer me the role of Sugar Watkins for my agent. I was like, well, who the hell is Sugar Watkins? <laughs> and I said, you know, I jokingly said to my agent, you know what? Why don't you tell Paul Verhoeven to call me and tell me who Sugar Watkins is and why he wants me to be in his movie? And Paul Verhoeven called me. <laughs> and told you. And told me for about 40 minutes about what the movie was he was going to be making. And I'm in my apartment in New York, like, this is what I'm talking to me. <laughs> yes, of course. And he's like, and then, and then we're going to have the, and you know, he, was, he basically told me what uh, the movie was. And I said, sure, it sounds great. Sounds great. And he said, so you come out to Los Angeles then. And uh, <laughs> I'm out to LA and then, yeah. you know, I met up with these guys. Nice. Nobody cool. has a story about Paul Verhoeven where he's calm and collected and just, yes, very good. Everybody, he's ah! never calm, never yeah. collected. No, no, absolutely. So, Jake, how about you? Well, for me, I was really excited to get the opportunity to read for this character called Sugar Watkins. <laughs> oh, wow. And, <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of research, and I, I spent like a month or so really getting into this whole Sugar Watkins thing, and uh, I didn't get the role. But no, no, actually what, what happened for me was I got the script at this point. Okay. So like your agent is like, says, got an audition for you. It's for a role in this new sci-fi movie that Oliver Hoven is doing. And I'm going to send you the script, check out the script, check out the sides and, you know, and, and let me know if you want to go in and do it. I think you should. And I read the script. I had no idea what it meant, what these whole, would you like to know more things were? I didn't understand what that, because we, like the internet wasn't really, it, I mean, it yeah. was literally brand new. All of that stuff to me was just, I, I didn't know what I was reading. And the names, like with between the way the spelling is, was with, with, Ratchet and the character names of like Kitten Smith and and of course Sugar Watkins and Dizzy and like I mean the, it just was strange script and being young I was like well you know I guess it really doesn't matter if I understand it I just want to be in it uh, let the grown ups understand it you know? and so the sides that they gave me were a combination of, and I'm not joking here, it was a combination of Ace Levy, Sugar Watkins, Kitten Smith, and Shujumi, all kind of cut and pasted line by line and amalgamated into some semblance of a sequential linear scene that I could read, which basically ended up being like, you know, going to the production office, waiting for Paul, the door opens, I go in, and I basically just went in guns blasting, like, and it opens with the Sugar Watkins line, so the first thing I did, I was like, I want two men up there on the ramparts, I need two guys over here, I want you motherfuckers to do this, and then switches to, like, some of Kitten stuff, and then, it's and, and so... I think I got hired just because I went in there with what I would later discover was like kind of a matching energy to Paul's being. Just I was just just kind of screaming. And then <laughs> to add like gasoline to the fires of nerves, 
I've always had an issue with nerves and being nervous going in for an audition because I, I, I am so excited. I want it so bad. But this, okay, so before I do my audition, I go into the production office and I see the first AD who I had just worked with on a little independent film like the year prior. And he's like, Jake, hey, man. I'm like, Greg, Goldstone, how you been? And he's like, oh, great. He said, what are you reading for? I said, oh, there's a character named Ace Levy. And he goes, oh, let me show you something. I said, okay. He takes me to his office and he says, I want to show you the schedule of the movie. And he shows me on, it's an entire wall. It's a Windows Excel spreadsheet that's an entire wall. 105 days shoot weekends in between and he's bragging about all this all the work that they've done to get this schedule and he goes now here that oh so you're reading for ace levy okay now look up here at the schedule okay so you this line right here and he goes now follow it and you can see the amount of days that you work and it was start to finish i was like oh my god so if i get a role in this it's not just like for a week it's yeah. the entire eight months <laughs> or <laughs> whatever you know whatever it was mm -hmm. so that made me even more nervous walking in. And so I think that's why when I went, they walked in, do it. I was just so much energy because I didn't know what to do with myself. But apparently it worked. I think it did. <laughs> yeah. We had a good time. Man, we had a good time. <laughs> so, hey, Casper, how did this How did this start for you? I got the audition and I, I went into Sony and I was sitting out in the office and Ed Newmeyer, the writer of it, who also wrote Robocop, uh, and all these other cats that we're going to read for Johnny Rico. And he uh, goes, come here. So I came in and uh, he had a, a rifle from World War One on his desk. And I said, oh, can I take this up? Right? And, and I said, oh. And I did a couple of drills with it. I went to military school. And then I put it down, and it's like he got on his phone, and he just said something to me, he got on his phone, talked to Paul, and, and Paul Hooker came out and dropped the soccer ball, looked over at me, dropped the soccer ball, kicked it at me, and I, I stopped it. And uh, he goes, come on! And I go, okay, and I kick it back, and he goes, no, harder! And he kicks it back at me, and so he starts kicking it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. All of a sudden, I see Alan Marshall, who's the executive producer, walk out, and I kicked the ball, and he went right by his face and hit the cabinet, and he just shook his head and walked back in. And Paul goes, great, now let's do the audition. <laughs> I was all sweaty, and I was all like, uh, I, I kind of felt bad for the other actors because he, for some reason, this has just happened like this. I mean, first Ed picked me out of all of them to come into his room, and then I flipped this rifle around, and then Paul came out with a soccer ball and kicked it at me. I mean, it could have been anybody, but that's that's how it started. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> that's wow. a great story. Yes, he is. I almost hit Alan Marshall in the face with a soccer ball. That probably would have changed the audition. Might have entirely. him out a bit. You know what? It makes a better story, though, if you kick yeah. him and it hits him in the face. I didn't do it, though, so I don't get that. <laughs> uh, I didn't actually hit him in the face, but uh, there you go. Uh, Jake, can I have a green one? Yeah, cool. man. Can I get a blue? Okay. This one's this one's for him. Oh, look at Look at it. I got it. Where's the camera for this? Thing? There we go. Thank there you go. You're good. Greens. Hey, where are you? Blue. Blue for, for Dina. Thanks. My camera work is terrible. But you're going to I'm in Phoenix. I'm in oh, Phoenix here. at Mad Monster Party Convention. And it's the first the first post-quarantine uh, convention. And everyone's, like, extremely safe and cautious. And I took off my mask for this thing. But we've been wearing these N95 masks the whole time. And, oh, good. And so is the whole crowd. And, you know, everyone's being as safe as we can. <laughs> 
So. <laughs> well, you keep staying safe on that. One thing I'd love to ask each of you is, the movie came out, did not achieve expectations at the time, but when did you all begin to realize that it had gotten second leg, the end of video and DVD and cable play? When did Banner's develop its following we enjoy now? Hold on. Here's the deal. you got to ask Casper about the real box office opening. The real right. box office opening is different than what you think. All right, Casper, clarify this for me. With New York, I think it was the New York Times. I'm not quite sure which one it was. The New York Times or Post or something like that did a, a test where they got a, a 1,000, 13, and 14 year olds to go buy a ticket to, I think it was Mr. Bean, and see if they could sneak in at the multiplexes into Starship Troopers. And all 1,000 of them were able to do it on opening weekend. So the second weekend, they were all, they weren't all the multiplexes about this because all these 13, 14 year old boys were doing this. So Disney put up the Little Mermaid re release of that two weeks earlier. So it was a re release and it made 20 million. Luca Bean made 20 million its opening weekend. We made 25, but Mr. Bean made 20 million. And then the next weekend, the little, the release of Little Mermaid was another 20 million or 22 million. It was the first time Disney had had a re release that huge. But they did again. They got 1,013 and 14 year old boys to buy a ticket to Little, the Little Mermaid and sneak into the theaters at the multiplexes. And they were all able to do this. This is a huge thing that went on. So they were saying that if we had been PG 13, that we probably would have doubled our income on the first weekend. Yeah. It, we we made more like 75 million and it looked like 20. Yeah. Right. And that's what they, they say. But also, I think that in, in other areas, like Disney promoted Starship Group is much different. Like when I went to England, they promoted, they had like all these join now, fight, you know, all these posters, these propaganda war posters plastered in all the tunnels and everything as you were going down. It was just so surreal. Yeah. They really understood the wow. sense of humor. And I think that Sony didn't promote it the same way over here because they thought they, they were trying to promote it a different way. But I think that England got it the best. Out of everywhere. Wow. I've seen those, uh, yeah, collectors uh, I've shown over the years. And yeah, that was great stuff. And yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the message and the marketing could have been better. But but yeah, but basically, when did you all realize, though, that it had just gotten this strong fandom that uh, we're enjoying now? 2006? 2010? Wow. You were, did you have a date, Jake? Wow. <laughs> no, I'm just guessing, Dina. Okay. Help me. <laughs> I was like, wow, really? What happened? You know, <laughs> February no, 4th, 2006. I was looking at Dina. Around 7 p.m. I was looking at Dina thinking, you know, do you know this? Because I think, I mean, we've talked a lot recently about that. Right. Dina and I have been actually hanging out a lot. And, and we've talked about, yeah, there was definitely a break in time. There was a moment where that happened, where all of a sudden this is a giant cult film. And it's, yeah. it's a trip. Because we were all, I mean, I can't speak for all of us. I Go ahead, do it. was really yeah. bummed that, you know, we did this big movie and then it released and nobody gave a hoot. That was, that was, that was kind of painful. But, yeah, but you know, then... 10 years later, it's whatever, 15, I don't think it, years. somebody helped me out. It, you know, <laughs> it, it was um, all of a sudden a cult classic. We got Gilliam on Walking Dead and, and we're still talking about this damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly didn't think 25 years ago or 22. Um, how many years ago was it, Casper? Some odd. 22 or 23 years ago. I never would have thought that we would still be talking about this movie. 24 years old, and I have a 24-year-old daughter. Okay. So it's, I certainly wouldn't have thought. I mean, we we thought it was going to be really big. We were working on a $100 million movie, crazy effects, crazy, you know, locations, crazy actors, crazy director, like all all the crazy. We just, it, it had that recipe for what we thought would be like, you know, a huge 
huge hit. And, but I never would have thought that it, that this hit would have, you know, seen, you know, the the, the success that it's having like, you know, now. Yeah. Some things just need more time in the oven. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So apparently there was a whole, you know, sea of young boys sneaking from one theater into another. So yeah, Yeah. it didn't need to percolate so much. And if they had had a different rating, perhaps who knows? It yeah. would have been that big hit that we all were expecting it to be because I think it was the kind of is in the same kind of vein as a lot of films of the time that were just huge and explosive and expansive. And they all had these huge, you know, windfalls of cash come their way because of it. And it seemed to me, I mean, like, you know, the the, the train wreck in space, you know, special effect. Yeah. I mean, that's still one of the hottest ones I've seen you know, right? many, many years later. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it had cool. all of those elements to explode at the time. So I can I can kind of understand why it's been it's had the legs that it's had. Yeah. The effects, the, the effects, the production right. schedule, everything on it has has not missed a step. It still no, holds no. up incredibly yeah, well. years later. Yeah, yeah. There, there are similar films that come out now that still do not look as good as. What right. well, it's like a, they're they're doing it differently now, right? The, the CGI. Yeah, they take less time. Digital. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's yeah. digital. I mean, we you know we we shot this on on real film. Yeah. yeah. Then, you know. We we had yeah. cameras with film in it. We had to reload. Now they just yeah. go clips. And then they, they do some, I mean, I, I couldn't really tell you what they do because I've never been in the studio when they're actually, you know, painting digital effects. But yeah, I mean, like the, the technology back then, what, what they did, how they did it was just amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. and it absolutely shows. And yeah. my producer, let me know that we got questions for our audience good to go. So I'll ask Jude to roll our first one. And this comes from James, who wants to know, how much combat training did you have before filming? Hmm. That depends wow. on if you hung around. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seem to recall Casper being the first one there and the last one to leave. So yeah. how long was it, Casper? I, I think we only had 11 days, but you all, we were all there every day. Everybody. We, all, we, had, we, had, we, we had about was two it only 11 years. days when we were taking like... Whole mountains like in Colorado. Three weeks. <laughs> wow, I don't remember. That's what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> like three weeks. That's what I have in my memory too, James. <laughs> yeah, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was three weeks. And I got I my cutting out like two weeks in. I thought it was two weeks. We did it. Yeah, we had about two weeks. Um, I thought in the, in the whole two or three weeks, whatever, somewhere around there. I think um, it was a month. I think, yeah, but then we also had the training in LA before we went. Yeah, sure. I was not a part of that. We were, you were not. Right. We, you had were. Some, we had some night nice training on the lot. Yeah. You know, in the studio. The training that we did have when we were out in Wyoming, in, in uh, Hell's Half Acre, we had Dale Dye, who we were like 8,000 feet above sea level. And this guy would drink so much at night. But then he'd take us on a run, running backwards, smoking a cigarette, yelling at us. <laughs> Uh, yeah five miles i'd be like how the heck does he do it backwards smoking a cigarette after he was so hung over i was like yeah. 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 oh i was like oh my god this man he's been shot what four times in vietnam well that's, that's hard. real military yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really tough I was, yeah, we, were all training. we all thought we were all so fit for this and then this guy just showed up just no, not, oh, yeah. not all of us. I had no training. I was riding a bicycle around. It was a bicycle messenger in New York. There was no training. That's no, I didn't, wasn't a well, part of a gym. That's training. You know yeah. what I mean? I didn't have a membership anywhere. I was, <laughs> dude, I hurt. Man. 
I, I hurt. <laughs> I wish you'd come out to L.A. That would have been much better. Shit, I didn't you, realize. Did it prepare that. you? Do you think you did, you think you prepared me? Because I could barely make it through that eleven days or whatever that was. Oh, yeah, that was three weeks, three weeks, four months of training that we had in Hell's Half Acre. Well, then when it we, snowed that first night, that was the hard part. When it snowed, well, the first night was crazy. Yeah, we were like, all been... we were all like, okay, we're gonna do this. We're camping out. We're gonna we have our we're what they what they called our we we pitched our hooches. Right, the hooch. We had our MREs. Right, we had our MREs. We were like, we were in. We were like, we're doing this. We are, we're gonna feel like we are in the military. We're gonna train like real military men and women. And we're gonna, we're doing it. Got my clothes, yeah. got my things, got my stuff, got my dehydrated food, and this is gonna be amazing. Let's do it! Hurrah! Right, like we were, yeah. And then I and no, and I'm in. I remember being in my this. It's a poncho. It's a poncho with two sticks that you kind of make. You're underneath a springtime poncho with a spring sleeping bag, and you've got someone next to you, and you're literally you're and they're right next to you in this plastic rain thing, right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> my story without you distracting, Jake. That's hot. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, no, it's hot. <laughs> Wait a second. So it's about, I don't know, it was one o'clock in the morning or two in the morning. I start feeling like ice pellets in my face. Like oh, it was snowing hail or sideways in yeah. rocks. <laughs> and that was it. I'm like, I'm done. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I want a warm bed. I want my mommy. <laughs> who, who were you, who you uh, paired with? Rob Calvis. Rob Calvis. Who became, didn't they, didn't she? Marry? Yeah, they're married. They're still married. They got married? Yeah, she married yeah. They're still married. Yeah. They found love in Starship Troopers. They did. Right but, on. You know, I, I, I never forget, I'll never forget, you know, we, first of all, I would have been able to do it had Casper and I not been in the gym at Sony for three Wait, months yeah, prior yeah, to boot camp. So we were there every day and we were, and Denise was there, and so we and everybody was invited, but we were just the three that did it. And then so we went to boot camp, and I remember Casper and I were were making our hooch together, and I knew that weather was coming, and I was like super paranoid, so I kind of overbuilt our our hooch, you know. You really did. And some people kind of laughed at me. They were like, "Oh, Mister Nerdy Hooch Builder, what are you doing over he there?" He dug about four inches in there, so he'd have his was his part oh, of that's the. Oh, right. You yeah. did, you, you were like in the all the way through. He dug four inches down into the ground. I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Gotta protect myself." And I was like, "I, <laughs> I didn't know that." You like slept through that snowstorm. Buried in the dirt. Yeah, I was. I got to sleep through the night, and it was a blizzard. But I'll never forget that at about one o'clock in the morning, Denise shows up at the front of our hooch. And I had found a third poncho to close off the one side. So we. Where'd you find that, Jake? Where'd you find that? We didn't have. What's that? Where'd you find that poncho, the third poncho? That was left behind. I think I asked, like, Sergeant. That was left behind by me. (laughs) (laughs) What did he. <laughs> I did I missed that. I said that was left, left behind, behind by, him. by him. That was left he was already back at the hotel. I was out. I was out of snowfall. Snowfall. I was out when it, when the rain started to get a little misty and crystally. I was out. So that was my poncho. Tell the rest of the story. I'm out. The hill. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Hilton Poncho. (laughs) James, thank you. That was a great question to start us off with. Oh, we have next. Here's one from Cindy. How many of your own stunts did you get to do or anything close to a stunt? I think I did all of mine. Yeah, I did. I did some. I didn't do two flips. I didn't do the flip six three holes. Um, that was uh, my stunt double did that. But I did a, a lot of the other, a lot of the other things. We did the, after that whip. Did those flips? Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, he's a, a gymnast, and he was able to go off of a ramp and do that. And it was hard in that equipment because we're carrying so much equipment, and he had to do it with a, the rubber rear rifle because the other one was just so is too heavy to do it with. All right, thank you, Jake. Did you really play the violin? Huh? Did you really play the violin? Oh yeah, that was. That was an interesting thing. Okay, so Paul's wife, her name is Martine, and she is second chair in the Netherlands uh, Philharmonic or whatever, the violin. And so Paul and, and Ed and her, they all decided that it would be great to add a musical instrument to one of the characters. So that wound up being me, and they chose the violin. And at the time, being a young guy, I was like, violin, come on, where's the electric guitar? But I realized the class and merit of a violin. And I, so I went to the gym with Casper three days, four days a week. and But then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as soon as I get done with the gym, I would go over to their house. And then I would, I would sit in Martine's music room, and she would teach me how to play violin. And the two of us would sit there, and she coached me through, and I learned four songs. Songs, three of which made the movie, and I worked so hard on that for, for like six months that I even had to bring the violin boot camp. I'm sure not everyone was excited about me practicing and, you know, sound like a dead cat. Getting... Oh, you were great. You were awesome. I, I love that you played that instrument. I loved that. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. It was an interesting that, experience. Yeah, thanks. It was a uh, whole sequence where you played it, where you played it to all of us when we were up at Vasquez Rock, all of us. And that was fun with, with Seth and, and, and Dina and all of us playing it for us for that dance. Right. Well, that was when Sugar and Dizzy made old Johnny a little jealous. Yeah. yeah. Sugar's like, you're not going to take that? Sure, I'll take that. Smart <laughs> <laughs> man, smart man, man. Look at him go. Cindy, thank you. Great question. Well, yes, from Kevin. Did you play any pranks on the set? Any mm. pranks? Yeah. We were having too much fun. I, well, I was having too much fun playing soldier. I think, and especially after Jake, you made us those potato guns. Oh, yeah, that was really fun. Those, that was, you know, that was prank energy went into that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that was probably the biggest pranks. I don't think there was a lot of pranking going on. I think we all were taking it very serious. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a lot of fun. We were having a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work. I mean, yeah, and also we're all kind of we're all kind of new and young, also. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we were really going to run the risk of doing something that was, you know, too inappropriate at that stage. We kind of were kind of it was really, really hot, and sometimes we should just a moment to rest too, because it was just like we're running around a lot in this. And some days it's cold and hot the same day. It's really crazy. Yeah, I think I think that's the best point, to Casper. Is that it? Well, what you guys all said, but like the the just like the seriousness and the heat and the amount of work and the length of the days was like there just wasn't any extra energy left to right. even think about doing a prank on someone. It was just like get me to sleep. Yeah, there were times where I remember we would, especially like the two the two weeks of night that we did. Oh yeah. 
right? right. That, that 45 minute drive or an hour drive to the hotel every day. Yeah. yeah. Back and forth. It was just like we'd be sleeping on the way to work, sleeping on the way up. It's just, so yeah. 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 Mute myself. Well, yeah, no you're on this. Yeah, that's, I think. I think sometimes you know you find a position. And you can. I could prop my uniform in a certain position, and I could put my helmet like this, and I could like fall yeah. asleep for like five or ten minutes before yeah. I could take because we would just be working so hard, running and doing these takes. And you're at eight. I think was it eight thousand feet above sea level? Is that where it was? Something like that. And, and so we're already, you know, there's that going on. Then there's the heat. Then there's these uniforms that are black and gray and hot and they have rubber on the necks. So you're just, you'd be drenched. You'd be sweating inside. And then sometimes when it get cold, you'd be freezing and then it'd get hot again. And so there was so much going on for us. But, you know, you, you have to find whatever moment you could for a little bit of sleep. And I don't think anybody, I don't, nobody ever drew anything on my face or anything when I slept. So, <laughs> so I think we might have thought about doing it to each other, but nobody would have done it because we're just all too tired and couldn't have dealt too with much it. much energy to get the hand up to draw and to make the eye. Yeah, right. I need and I that think hand for later to pull the trigger. Right. <laughs> and t- you know, and it was one of those, I think everybody was also like, the, like tension was so high as far as getting everything perfect yeah. and all the yeah. hard work. I think if somebody did pull a practical joke on somebody, like the retribution would be like 10 times harder. It would exactly. be like, I'm taking yeah. it off your head. Yeah, Verhoeven, <laughs> Verhoeven yelled at people already. If you weren't on, you know, if you're not, if you're working on a Verhoeven film, you're going to get yelled at. But I think the, the one day is he's yelling at me, he goes, it's because you're smoking that cigar, Casper. And I went, what cigar? And I just put it behind me. <laughs> I think that'd be the biggest prank I would do. It's like put a cigar behind me. And be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Smoke our cigars. That would be our biggest prank, I think. <laughs> I think I, I, pranking, I think, is more given to maybe like a TV series or something like that. When the set is a comfortable place, the actors are comfortable and they, yeah. they know the quiet moments when they can do something goopy with each other. And yeah, that, that, that was a Paul Verhoeven film. And you had a director that was willing to strip down buck naked to film a scene. So I think that was pretty <laughs> crazy enough. <laughs> Just wanted to make Passionate. it feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, Kevin, thank you for that. From Mauricio, did you keep any props from the set? I think I kept my, my dog tag, which eventually fell apart. Oh. The plastic around them, I think, fell apart. Did you keep did you, did your dog tags also, Seth? I did. I kept did my dog tags. Yeah, oh, they fell apart. I think they're the in the attic at my mother's on. house. Yeah, I think I, I was allowed to keep that. And, I'll, and they gave us our sweats that we trained in, the... Yeah. You know, the gray sweats that were spray painted with the MI. Um, I like my chair. Yes, that's right. I have my chair back. Yeah, I got my chair yeah, back. I got my chair back. Okay. I, so did you I, keep I, a prop? Yeah, it's not a prop. I don't think so. No. What I took, I, I didn't take much. The night that we wrapped completely was a bug tunnel night. And I, we, so we were driving to Sony Studios every day to get clock into work. So I just grabbed my entire chair, wearing my entire wardrobe, my suit, the whole battle gear, gun, everything. I grabbed my chair, I winked at the prop girl who took care of the chairs, and I just started walking to my truck, and I drove home <laughs> in my battle gear. <laughs> you did? The wow, that's awesome. You had your, you had your battle gear? <laughs> Yeah, I with the helmet and everything. I was just driving yeah. the Dodge truck home. Oh wow! 
Yeah, so I kind of have everything. Do you still wear that with April sometimes? I did Halloween in like 2008 or nine in New York. And really strangely, when you wear that out in public, yeah. like, there was a big line to get into some fancy club. And I climbed. You wore that out to the clear? I climbed a wall, a railing. And up over in a deal where the guys at the ropes were up on this top of this staircase and hopped over them and went in the club and they were like, the hell just happened? Stop. Did Hold on, wait a minute. You felt like indestructible, man? That You, you do. You feel, when you're out in public, yeah. you feel indestructible because you're wearing this gear. Yeah. You, can, you know, you can fall to the ground and you're fine. If a like a you know if a doorman hits you, you're like whatever. <laughs> so it's a good Halloween. All right, Seth. How about you? Did you take anything? No, I I also took my dog tags, but um, no, I didn't in the in the back of my chair, but I didn't take the whole chair. No, I didn't take anything from Starship Cupids, but I did come across a guy who had uh, a collector at a, at a convention I owned, I think it was, and the guy had my costume from Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. and wow. I did try it on for him and take a picture. Yeah. Still fit. Still fit. Same. Anything else? I had the same I mean, thing. Come on up. Yeah, I only had to hold my breath for about 30 seconds, but it fit like a glove. <laughs> I love that. Like OJ's glove? No, dude, come on. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> Mute chick again. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's gonna that's on. gonna cost you another M M&M and M for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mauricio. What do we have next? <laughs> Reptilio, what is a memorable piece of advice you received from a colleague or a coworker? I never pass up a good thing. <laughs> Fair. What was the question? Never what? <laughs> what is a memorable piece of advice you received from a colleague or a coworker? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good advice. I had I had an actress tell me once, well, she didn't tell me, she was screaming this at her scene partner during a rehearsal. It is a play, a play, motherfucker, and I'm not having any fun. So I think when you are playing, the whole objective is to have fun. Mm-hmm. And being an actor is about playing. So that's the best advice that I have gotten from a co-worker. To I'm keep playing. Like, yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. that. Best yeah. deal we can end that one on that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Dina, you got anything? Think twice, speak once. No, that's <laughs> no, absolutely fair. That's good. Absolutely fair. Daniel, thank you. <laughs> what we have next from Brian. If Starship Troopers had a crossover with any other franchise, what would it be? The Sugar Walking Dead. <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> you, you, know, you can take you can take it too. Our, our uniforms were in uh, Firefly Serenity. All our uniforms were their uh, their Federation. Were their uh, we were also our uniforms were also in that. Remember the Pamela Anderson TV series that she had, the detectives TV series, VIP oh, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're also in Power Rangers. And they were also in one with Gary Sinise where he plays an, uh, an alien and he's with, I can't remember. Oh, oh, yeah, where, where um, the whole, the, 
identity something about yeah, yeah identity. I think it's something like yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it. but it's they're in that the uniforms are in that as well. So the, you know, all all of a sudden you see these uniforms pop up in different shows, and you're like, oh, I get people going, hey, you know, it's in this show, and I'm like, I didn't yeah, know that, but thank you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Crazy. So, all right, Brianne, thank you. That was a pretty good one. I think we have time for a few more. Here's one from Chris. What's your favorite memory from shooting? God, there are so many. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> many to, to name. I mostly had a lot of fun behind the, the camera. I was young. I had never been to that part of the country, the parts of the country that we got to shoot in. So there was exploring all around me. Um, the people that I met, the great deal of fun that we had together, the kind of camaraderie that we established doing this Herculean thing. And most of us, for the most part, were fairly new to the yeah. industry, you know? So feeling like we were making movie magic out there in the middle of the desert was really kind of magical for me as a whole. Yeah, because we were like a traveling circus. You know, yeah. we, 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 we were we were in we were in Los Angeles, we were in Casper, Wyoming, we Kodoka, were in South Kodoka. Dakota. Exactly. Uh Kodoka, South Dakota, Long Beach. Yeah. So we would, you know, we would pack up and you know, we just move from location to location, and then we, you know, where's the where's the where's the club that we're going to tonight for drinks afterwards, or where are we having dinner? All mm -hmm. of us would meet up somewhere, and you know, there's somebody that was making the plans because we'd be in the middle of nowhere, you know, at a Best Western in Kadoka, right, in the middle of a it was kind of like Napoleon Dynamite, you know, that they live in that strip of nowhere, it was just one long road with. <laughs> Little thing across the street so we would meet up afterwards and you know and and try to just let loose a little bit so i remember i remember that that was really fun yeah like uh after work you know like where are we going afterwards where are we going to meet up obviously yeah. we wouldn't stay out too late because we had to be up early and we get to know all of our lines and be in good shape and on form as they say in french for all the physicality that we going to need to, to provide yeah but yeah it was just it was just kind of fun I mean, you know airport situations yeah you know thinking you're going to fly home and then not fly home because something happened to the airport yeah. all, that, all you know we just we had a great time we really did Cool, cool. How about you, Casper? Like they're saying, it's so hard to pick. But I remember just being one day just going, I've got to remember to just take this moment in. And it was one day we were shooting in Wyoming in, in the Hell's Half Acre. And I just looked out, we had 1,400 extra. We had 30 actors, 30 stunt guys. We had the huge crew. They had gun, they had practical effects going off. They told us all the visual effects that were going off. I'm just looking at all these people running and, and everything happened. I, I said, I got to remember this moment. I got to look out and just go, thank you, God. Thank you, Spirit, whatever, whatever's out there. I got to say thank you because this is just so amazing. And I've got to remember this for the rest of my life. And it was just it was beautiful. And you're also looking over at the monitor and you're seeing Paul Verhoeven, Ed Newmeyer, Bill Tippett and, and John Davis and the, all the guys behind uh, RoboCop all there. And, and you're sitting there going, this is just, you know, it's another brilliant script like this. And it was a lot of fun to be around and, and just having so much fun with it. So I just, that was, I also, I also, I also have to say, I really, I really, as, as hard as the nights were, I really enjoyed them, even though they're, they're hard on your body when you're 23 and 24 and 25 years old and you're, you know, you, you can, you feel kind of invisible and you can get through anything. But I always enjoyed them because I remember, okay, so we're in the middle of a hole and the Hell's Half Acre is this huge hole. It's like a Grand Canyon kind of thing. It's like a big hole and we're shooting nights and you have the lights and you've got 200 crew members. 
You know, it's, it's just our little party. Everybody else, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning and we're shooting, we're making a movie. You know, everybody else is sleeping. And here we are, like, you know, sipping on our hot cocoa and eating and, and, you know, drinking our soups or whatever, little snacks that were coming out at 2 in the morning or 2 in the morning, right? Yeah. It's just, it was so cool that, like, you know, and, and like Casper said, just to be a part of something that's it was so big, and you, you look around like, what? What are we doing? Like, look what we're doing. This is awesome, uh, and really just be so grateful at the time. And awesome. awesome. it, was, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Jake, bring us on. I'll never forget, like, the, the, the night of the dropships. I think we was three weeks of shooting for an eighth of a page, like right. dropships. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would drive out and watch you guys shoot that <laughs> for like for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so I remember we, you know, we did the big scene where everyone's running and the cameras are on ATVs, the four wheelers, and with steady cams. And then like we run up the hill and we jump and just land on our chests with our rifles ready, and we're like on this hilltop. We're gonna get ready to nuke them, and we're getting the nukes out. And, and so we do this whole huge sequence. And after we've landed, and we're like in the middle of it all, one of the other actresses turns to me, and she goes, "Are we filming right now?" And I'm, like, okay, wake up. We're making a movie. This is the biggest scene in the movie. There's 300 of us here. Yes, we're filming. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> also crazy fun. Uh, and this has been crazy fun. And Galaxycon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of Starship Troopers, gentlemen and lady. Any final words for our audience before we go? Keep Keep smiling, smiling, thank you for everybody. coming, everybody. everybody. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah, welcome to the Rough Next. Yeah. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Uh, it has been my absolute pleasure to serve you all today. Thank you for joining us here at the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us today. And thank you for all those great questions. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. And please keep washing those hands.